MNK Talk YA now present The Cruel Prince Part 1 of The Folk of the Air Trilogy by Holly Black. MNK Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And this week, we started Season 4! Woo-woo! Hello 2020. We're off to a rocky start. <laughs> Not us, <laughs> just the world. But we have a brand new series, and it is called The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. There are three books in the series, and the last one just came out this past fall, so it's kind of newish, and I'm really excited about it. Yes, and we read up to chapter 18 for this week. Oh yes, I always forget that. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I wasn't really sure what to expect, even though I've kind of like seen it out and about, or like, you know, on Instagram and at bookstores and stuff, but I hadn't even read the back before or anything, so I was like pleasantly surprised with how it connects sort of the real world and modern day with mm. this like kind of alternate universe fairyland stuff like I, I guess I in my mind like fairy stories I think of as more like old-fashioned sort of so I was just mm-hmm. expecting like everything to be either old-fashioned or just set in this like fantasy world but I love how like there's this little bit of crossover with like the human world and it's all like the mall and I don't just totally. like they watch tv and you know all that stuff so that was like a fun little surprise for me and I love when books do that I also appreciate when they don't sometimes but it's fun to feel it makes it feel like oh this could really happen absolutely a lot more than when like the whole world is completely invented and have you read anything else by Holly Black I have not I yeah I didn't realize that she's written like so much stuff I know I haven't read anything by her either but I know she wrote the Spiderwick Chronicles and I have been meaning to read those for the longest time I like her writing style so I'd be open to me too well I guess I'll see how things end because sometimes (laughs) a bad ending makes me like dislike everything but so far I'm very much a fan good I am too I am a self-proclaimed fairy hater I hate stories about fairies traditionally so where did that come from or like why I guess I never even like thought enough about it to have strong feelings about it so have you like read some stuff that you really hate or like why why yeah so I read um what is it called the court of thorns and roses by Sarah Moss Mm -hmm. Sarah J Moss or something Sarah J Moss yeah and I really didn't like it and I also I just I hate how fairies have so many rules like there's all these rules like they can't eat salts and they can't touch iron and they can't lie and it's like I can't keep it all straight and it's just irritating to me for some reason how many rules they have that's fair I guess (laughs) it is something that I'm like not super familiar with like the lore and legend and whatnot around so that's been a little bit I think they've done a good job in this book with how they've introduced it, but it is a little bit like, oh, I need to remember that, or oh, like I assume that people who are more into the fairy folklore or whatnot are like, yeah, of course they can't lie, or of course they the salt thing works or whatever, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> note that down. <laughs> right, but even if I was like writing this book, like I have no idea how I would keep it all straight. Like even just with every bit of dialogue being like, oh, right, can't write that because that's a lie. He he wouldn't say it like that, and like I don't know, they're just. They're all playing tricks on people and... Well, that's what's so interesting because they can't lie, but I, not only in this book, but like my idea of fairies going into it is that they are like these tricksters and like Mm -hmm. you shouldn't trust them, but then they can't lie at the same time. So it's just interesting how those two things can both be true. (laughs) Yeah. And, and like, kind of like what you said earlier, like the mix of the real world, the human world and the fairy world, like they, the fairies themselves are so humanish and human-like until they're not right like yeah they interact with each other pretty much like how a human would and then all of a sudden it's like oh and the boy had moth wings coming out of his back or I forget which prince it was that has like a tail or something like that I think it's the main one they all have like some animal feature yeah Yeah, like one of them has horns or something right Right, yeah so 
I think I, I kind of like that mix too. Like they're not human, but they act like human. And it's sometimes hard to remember that they aren't. Agreed. And I, another thing that I'm, again, because I'm not like super into this folklore going into it is because they're not all fairies either, right? Because we've also talked about like goblins, like different, right. there's so many other creatures and like, I'm, I feel like it's not overwhelming in the sense that like, I can't understand what's going on. But part of me also is like, I need to just like take notes on, like, I don't really understand how this world works at all in terms of like the hierarchy of these different species or like, you know, what can, I don't know, <laughs> even the human aspect, like, obviously, they're kind of Jude and Taryn are kind of unique humans in this world because they are remember that they're human and they're like treated like well off mortals. Yeah. Versus being slaves or being like, I guess the other, like, kids that are stolen are raised in, like, poor families or something. I don't know. Like, something... Or they're raised to be servants and they're, like, heavily glamoured. Like, the other okay, humans yeah. are not treated very well. And so, yeah, she's in this weird position where, like, she is mortal and people hate her because she's mortal. But she also is, like, the adopted daughter of this very influential fairy. So... Yeah, but there's also other fairies who've, like, taken on mortal wives, at least. If not also yeah. maybe husbands or whatever. And... And so it's just interesting, like the, what gets passed on and what, again, that hierarchy of like who has power and how and all of that is, is very interesting to me. Totally. And how the magic works, like the glamoring stuff is like really cool on the one hand. And I loved the part where, okay, backing up a little bit, I guess, Jude and Ter- or Jude's the main point of view that we have seen so far. And she's, like we said, mortal human. She has a twin sister and she has a half sister yes. who is part fairy right mm-hmm. and the ha- vivian's real father comes and kills their their mortal parents and takes all three of them to go live in fairy world when they're relatively young and vivian like wants like hates maddock her real father wants to go back like hates him for killing her parents is like a hundred percent committed to the human world even though she's the only one who's i know not a hundred percent human and and all this stuff. And I loved when they like ran away and she was like glamoring people to try and take care of them. And they realized like as powerful as the magic was. And on the one hand, it, they like couldn't do certain things on the other hand. And then Jude and Taryn are just like, we want to go back. That's our home. Like we're not having fun anymore. Yeah. And it's just, it's such an interest. I love this dynamic of yeah. um, they were so young and they know and they remember and they're not like happy about, I feel like there is a lot of bitterness about being taken from the mortal world where they belonged but there also is this like allure and like true affection that they've formed for their family there and it's just it's like such an interesting dynamic and I love seeing that play out me too and, and how complicated I mean like so complicated but believable they say all the time that like you know even though Maddox killed their father and their mother like he still was a father to them and like that is so messy and I and I agree with you I absolutely love that Mm -hmm. and I also like how all three sisters are different in how they feel about the world Mm -hmm. like like you said Vivi like wants nothing to do with it and Jude is kind of like chafing under this feeling that she's not good enough and she's not she'll never be immortal like the fairies and she's like trying to do something about it and then Taryn is almost like she could easily assimilate you you think like she talks about how she wants to fall in love and she seems just like very at ease and at peace with her place in the world mm-hmm. even though she doesn't really like it but she's not like actively fighting it the way Jude yeah. is and she kind of accepts that she's at the bottom of the totem pole and she's making the yep. most of that position sort of or something yes but she, she's got some secrets she sure does. Who do you think her secret lover is? I don't know. I keep changing my mind and I really don't <laughs> feel good about the direction. Like I don't feel confident enough to even make a good prediction, but I am. I know it's going to be throw everything up in the air. Okay. Like, what are your predictions? Because I actually know who it is because I've read this book. <laughs> oh, I forgot you've read it before. Okay. I mean, I like we only really know a handful of people right now, so it would True. either be like well, I don't even know. I don't even know. I like keep changing my mind. I don't know. Okay. Like part of me is like, oh, Locke is just like messing with both of them and like whatever. And then part of me is like, oh, it's Cardin, even though he's been so bad to Jude. And then I don't like I literally like every person that we've read about, I'm like, oh, maybe it's them. Like even the secret spies, I've like gone through a phase where I'm like, oh, maybe it's them. And I'm like, no, that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> the so, goblins? Yeah. <laughs> 
So I really have no idea who it is, but I know that it's going to mess things up once we figure it out. That it's going to, whoever it is, we're going to be like, what the hell? Did not see that coming. Even with me thinking I'm seeing it coming. I don't even know. I don't know. Um, I have no good predictions. And again, even with, like you said, even knowing they can't lie, like knowing that they're so tricky and stuff, I feel like I just, I'm hope I'm, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not, usually I like cr- try and guess all this stuff right now. I feel like I'm still just trying to like make sense of where I'm at right now. Like I don't even have a good, I, I don't feel like I know the rules or the people well enough to even be like, this is what I think is going to happen. I just don't trust anybody. <laughs> well, fair, because let's talk about this feud that's happening right now. That's like at the core of the whole book. Mm-hmm. So we have, essentially we have this, what is it, a trio of, no, it's a, it's a quadrology of <laughs> really bad eggs. So there's Cardin, who is the last born son of the High King. Um, he has like tons of brothers and sisters. And he's like the most vicious of them all. Right? Totally. I mean, it's, it seems like it because he is friends with Valerian, Nicasia, and Locke who are just a massive group of the some of the worst bullies you've ever met. And I, like, don't even understand. Like, there's so much there to unpack, too. Like, I get that they hate mortals, I guess, and that Jude is, like, standing up to them. But also part of me is just, like, how is this even fun to, like... I mean, I guess I, I never really understand why bullies have fun being bullies, but... <laughs> I, right. something about it I'm like this is just so horrible like I don't even get how they're getting value out of treating people this way I don't like it's so horrible I don't know and I think um and scary some of it kind of lines up when you see um Cardin actually lives with his brother that's true Bel- Belkin and we see his brother abusing him essentially and being really terrible so you you can kind of see how like bullies learn from other bullies not that that excuses anything but i think the you know that aspect kind of complicates it but even even with Cardin being beaten by his brother which is terrible i feel like there's a whole different level where you're like so much more power like the this glamour aspect and like there's all these like life or death situations i feel like they're putting <laughs> jude and darren into and i just like can't imagine like i feel like they're old enough to know better that i don't like I, I don't know. It's just like it, the stakes are so high or something. I like it's yeah. like crazy to me. I like can't relate at all. Like I can't imagine being in a high school and having like a bully who could like control you with their words telling you to jump out of a tower or whatever. Right. Like that was ridiculous. Or even when they oh, were in the so when they were pushed in the river or whatever and there were those creatures that were going to drown them and I was just like, "Oh, like Nixies, what? Yeah." yeah. Just, like, the stakes are so high, and it feels like they escalated so quickly, too. Like, it wasn't, like... Yeah! I mean, it started with them, like, messing with each other's food, right? That's where it started. Like, one kicked dirt on the other's food, and then Jude retaliated and put salt in their food, which I guess is bad. But but it just makes it taste bad, or does it, like, do anything to them? Because that's, like, maybe if it could, like, kill them, maybe then I'd be like, okay. But I I feel like it just makes it taste bad. I have no idea what salt does to fairies, but it's one of the rules. Yeah. <laughs> but I think at the heart of it, like the heart of his hatred for her is that I think he's just so used to mortals being completely beneath him. And the fact that she is standing up to him is infuriating because he's he and his group are just trying to put Jude in her place so to speak, again and again, and she keeps refusing to stay there. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you because, like, I don't know. I almost think, like, if she's immortal and she's so insignificant, like, who cares? But in their mind, it's, like, the ultimate insult. Like, even when his brother has him beaten, like, he has him beaten by a human servant because it's, like, adding insult to injury. Like, that's how deeply he hates mortals. So it's, like, a power play, really, and... Okay, but here's my other, so here, I guess this is a prediction. Mm. And it's just because I don't trust anybody. So the, like, the worse Cardin is, the more I think he doesn't actually hate her. I'm not sure what else is going on exactly, but even, like, him, where she, like, found that letter with her name written over and over again, part of me was like, does that mean he hates her so much? Or does that mean he's, like, obsessed with her or, like, in love with her? Or, like, yeah. So I don't really have, like, a good prediction, except that the more he seems to hate her, the less I think he actually hates her. (laughs) Well, have you ever heard it said, there's, like, a saying that says something like, there's a very fine line between hate and love, because... 
like the two emotions are so extreme. I believe that. That they almost like mm-hmm. become, like they almost run parallel right to another. They're not opposites. They're almost like very closely aligned. This is very tangentially related, but we used to watch Desperate Housewives as a family on Sunday <laughs> evenings after church because that's what, what we did. But I remember there was this scene, and for some reason it like sticks in my mind, but I, I forget the whole backstory, but basically like the son is like mad at the mom and like says like she he hates her or something like that. And she responds with like the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And like as long as you oh, hate me, yeah. there's like a lot of emotion there. Or so I don't I forget exactly yeah. how I played it, but it's kind of that same idea. Yeah. Hate and love are just these really amplified emotions and it's hard to like, yeah. So good point. And I'm also I have to say I'm like a little disappointed in Taryn just because I I get that like she's not willing to fight this fight with Jude, but she's also her sister and I feel like... Her twin! Yeah. She's being a coward. Well, and she's not like explaining things well and maybe there's a good reason for that, but I feel like I would accept or respect her more again you know we always go back to this like don't keep secrets from people that's where all these problems come so the more they're keeping Mm -hmm. secrets from each other the more I'm like there's gonna be a problem there but like her like not telling Jude who this guy is or like obviously keeping I just feel like she's like you know not explaining conversations or not doing whatever and it's like this you're only hurting yourself and Jude I think and Mm -hmm. she's you guys are literally allies here I think I would accept it more if she was also not 100% human just because again they're like talked about how fairies love differently and like some of this other stuff but I'm like no you you two are twins you're the only human you've like been through all this stuff together you're really each other's only true ally and you're not being an ally (laughs) at all and her sister who is full fairy Vivian is being very transparent and like takes them to the mall to meet Mm -hmm. her girlfriend and she's like I want you to be involved with this you know like yeah she's almost being a better sister than her actual human sister which is also interesting I kind of am waiting for like it's interesting to me because I feel like in a lot of ways Vivian is a good big sister despite she has a lot of her own personal issues too but she's also like so removed from the twins in a lot of like I kind of am waiting or expecting her to even be more like protective or like get involved more like yeah but then I'm like oh she doesn't really know what's going on but then like sometimes she does kind of seem to know what's going on and I'm like if I were if it were my little sister and like someone could kill them at school I'd be stepping up yeah I'd be handling it differently I don't know and I almost feel like Vivian is in a place she's really in a place of privilege I mean she's full fairy she's totally accepted Mm -hmm. she can afford to piss off her father because she's his heir like Mm -hmm. what is he gonna do he can't hurt her and so she totally takes advantage of that status to just do whatever she wants and in the process she's not seeing what's happening to her sisters which I think is sad yeah, I agree. And I'm actually curious to see... Okay, so I don't know... I, like, don't really know how old people are because I, everyone ages weird and stuff, but... Mm-hmm. Okay, remind me, what was... So, I'm skipping ahead. Maybe I'll wait a second. No, I'm gonna ask okay. it now. We can jump back to it later. <laughs> so, when... Jude is at the party at Locke's place and she borrows the dress from his mom oh. and she finds the acorn and it had... What was the message in it again? Do you... I don't want to get it wrong. I have it. Hold on. My dearest friend, these are the last words of Liriope. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, I have three golden birds to scatter, three attempts to get one into your hand. I am too far gone for any antidote. So if you hear this, I leave you with the burden of my secrets and the last of my and the last wish of my heart. Protect him. Take him far from the dangers of this court. Keep him safe and never ever tell him the truth of what happened. Okay, so maybe this prediction doesn't actually make sense. I forgot that it was a him hmm. because okay, because there was also something about his mom was sleeping with. The, the prince or the king yeah yeah so i was wondering because the the mom at the beginning whose name is not there jude taryn and vivian's mom oh, right. faked, faked her death while she was pregnant and like went to the human world which is as far away as you can get from the fairy world so I, we were just talking about how she's the heir oh. and we know that maddock is like really good friends with the future king okay never but again it's a him so maybe not but i don't really think it's Locke. okay uh, yeah, I, I won't tell you. <laughs> but I was thinking it was Vivian's, but that, but that oh, maybe doesn't no, make no, sense. No. no, but we know that um, we know that Locke's mother was being poisoned, right? So someone poisoned her with the blusher mushroom to prevent her baby from being born. Mm-hmm. And the Casey's mother was the one who we don't think she provided the mushroom 
the poison, but she knows who had the hand in murdering her. So she knows, like, who was trying to, to poison her. Yeah. I guess. Right? Okay. <laughs> I don't remember this book very well. Yes. But but some of this some of this is also Jude's assumptions when she gets little pieces of information. And since I don't trust how she's interpreting things, I'm trying to interpret them differently. So what we know oh. is, but yeah, we know. So we know that she was pregnant with the High King's child. And she died from the mushroom. You're right. So we know that she died while pregnant. And it couldn't have right. been a fake death and the baby was stillborn. Maybe. it's. I think I'm trying to remember. I think, I mean... I think it's possible that the baby lived. Okay. But as far as we know, the baby, she died while pregnant. Oh, I remember who the baby is. Ha! <laughs> okay. Oh, I got it. I remember. So. But it wasn't Vivian. <laughs> also remember that the high crown has this power where it can only be passed yeah. to a blood relative. And it will crumble and like the dynasty will end once there are fewer than two descendants. Um, of the throne, there has to be one person to wear the crown and one person to place it on the ruler's head. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the, oh, and the crown is cursed, right? So the blood crown is cursed so that... If you steal it, you die or something, right? Yeah, basically, like, if you murder someone to get the crown, it will kill you. Okay. <laughs> but, okay, so maybe there's a secret baby out there, and it sounds like there is, and I just haven't figured out who it is yet. But also, in theory, couldn't there be lots of descendants? Of Mav? If they have all these... Yeah, totally. People? Anyways. I think so. Because right now we have the High King and then we have... Eight? Balkan, Dane. Yeah. Cardin. Cardin. Two girls. Kalia, Rhea, and Elowen. Mm-hmm. So one of them... I mean, I think there's definitely going to be like a power play for the crown, right? Because yep. Jude is now the spy of Balkan. And he wants her to join his court of shadows because she can lie. And um, she suspected that he was trying to poison Dane since Dane is like right now the favored to receive the crown. Right. And Dane's who she works for. She's spying on Belkin, but she works for Dane. Oh, sorry. Right? Yeah, she works for, yes. You're okay. Right. She works for Dane spying on Belkin. Which is also who her dad, were, or her quote unquote dad, Maddock works for. Belkin. But Maddock doesn't. Oh, I thought he worked for Dane too. Does he? Oh, yes, because he's the leader of the Falcons, the Circle of the Falcons, which is war, and Maddox belongs to this circle. Right, 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 right. So I think, in theory, if everything went nicely and there was no story involved, Dane would be appointed by his father to take over. Maddox is like a high general, and she is a spy, and they everything would be great and wonderful. But not only is <laughs> this a book and about fairies and the complicated inheritance rules and tricksters, I like, obviously more stuff is going to go down. Totally. <sighs> and you know what? I have to say, mm-hmm. um, I, I said before that I hate fairy stories. I actually love this book. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was the book that made me start, it made me open my my mind and my heart and my soul again to fairy stories because I love all the intrigue. Like, there's so much going on. And I think Holly Black is an amazing writer and like she like the details that go into the book are so beautiful like she makes fairy world seem like this magical fantastical place and it seems new like nothing seems stale or old or like Mm -hmm. you know like even like the descriptions of like the beautiful dresses and like you know how Locke has like hair that's the color of a fox and like all the beautiful wings and skin colors and this would be a fun book to see, like, as a video or as a movie. Oh, my God. It would be gorgeous. It would be absolutely gorgeous. And we're, like, not even 200 pages in yet. The pacing is really good because I've been interested. But now, especially as we're talking about all the different things going on, like, a lot has happened, but it hasn't felt, like, overwhelmingly... Like, now that I'm reflecting back on it, I'm like, oh, my goodness, all this stuff happened. I have to keep this straight and that straight. But while I'm reading it, I'm not, I don't feel like it's information overload. I, like, the pacing no. is really, really well done. I totally agree. And like now I'm really excited about her being the spy. Oh, I love spies. I know. And also working for Prince Dane because like I don't trust him because I I love the part where she she agrees to be his spy and in return he's he's like, Oh, I'll give you a favor. I'll give you whatever you want. And everyone knows you can't take favors from fairies because it ends badly. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the rules. And so she asks for like this geese. 
so that she can never be glamoured. Like, she wants to be able to resist all enchantments. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the catch is that she can't be controlled by any fairy except Prince Dane. To be fair, though, that's... So he has complete control over her! Yes, but it kind of feels like it's still a win, because before, he could control her, and so could everyone else, technically, right? Yeah. But but it's she's still not immune to everything, so, like... Yeah. That scene where oh my Valerian goodness, that like, was so scary shoves too. the fruit in her yeah. mouth. Yeah. And she like becomes delirious and like they make her take off her clothes and like it's awful. So like there's still ways that well, and it was she could be tricked. Funny, not funny, but she had just gotten the geese or whatever geese, it's called. Yeah. And then it's like it didn't do shit. <laughs> I know. I, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and then because when they made her take her clothes off she showed they showed the necklace of berries that she had Mm -hmm. and that was like how she was protecting herself before so well and I think that's where I was most mad at Taryn was or I guess it wasn't that scene it was the next time they're at school in the tower where Mm -hmm. Taryn didn't wake Jude up when she was asleep and that's when Valerian tried to have her jump to her death yeah and again, it's like, it's one thing to like not get involved or like to stay out of it. It's another to be like, at least stay with her or like, don't leave her alone or like wake her up so she can defend herself. Or I mean, I don't know. I just it felt like such an extreme, the opposite of what I would do as a sister. I don't know. Ugh. I almost wonder, because wasn't there a scene where Cardin was whispering something to her? Mm-hmm. And we don't know what he said. I wonder. I don't. Rem- I honestly don't remember what he said. But I think that has some something to do with why she's behaving so terribly. Yeah, and that's where I'm like, she has a bunch of secrets, and I'm sure it's all going to make sense. And wh- whoever her lover is, or future husband, or whatever, and whatever these things, conversations that she can't share when it's all revealed, maybe she'll be like the best sister ever. But it still makes me mad right now. <laughs> Totally. Also, like, why do the lecturers not do anything? Like, oh my goodness, are they scared? Yeah. When they were tormenting them, they were just sitting there letting it happen. And if Maddox is like such a scare, like she, uh, Jude doesn't want to tell him about a lot of stuff because he'll right. like murder people on her behalf. But part of me is like, does he not have his own spies or inform? Like, is no one reporting back any? Like, I feel like if yeah. your kid went to school and they were being bullied that much, even if someone didn't like straight up tell you, it would get back to you somehow. Like that extra, I don't know. I would hope so. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, and then that last scene where Jude oh, takes yeah. the servant out of Belkin's house. What was her name? Sophie. Mm-hmm. That was awful because, like, you see Jude, like, feeling so helpless and so powerless. And then she has moments where she's like, I have to do something. Like, I have to act. I have to, like, prove that I'm not any, not nothing and that humans are, you know, people. And so she, like, takes this poor servant girl and, like, tries to get her back to the human world. And the poor thing is just, like, so glamored and just out of it, yeah. Confused that she just, like, throws herself off a flying horse and like kills herself and it's just so sad like that's how terribly they use humans holly black does such a good job in this book of mixing these two ideas which i feel like totally embodies the fairy world which is this like extreme cruelty or like just like really really negative stuff with this kind of like beautiful glamour glamorous Mm -hmm. magical world and i love how I, I feel like I keep getting this, like, emotional push-pull the same way that I think totally. Jude kind of does, where it's like, oh, like, this is so cool and interesting and beautiful and whatever, and I, like, love it here, and then, like, oh my goodness, this is horrible, what, how is this possible? And, like, it just, it keeps going to these extremes, and she does it, she weaves them together so well. And it just draws you in, like, yeah. the world completely draws you in, and even though they're so cruel and you hate them, like, you still want to be a part of them. And that's exactly how Jude feels. Especially given that they, like, don't have any connection to the human world, really. Like, again, they were so young when they left. And even though it's so close, they're also definitely separate. And, yeah. (sighs) I'm really curious to see how this all plays out. Totally. And she, like, you know, legitimately loves her younger brother, who's just a child. And, like, she can't help but love him. But her stepmother just doesn't trust her with him at all like she just has this ingrown mistrust deeply rooted mistrust of humans yeah yeah that was a really interesting chapter too because even though she loves her brother and like wants to take care of him even he and he loves her too but when he's like learning how to use his power oh yeah uses it on her like not realize realizing what he was doing which is almost 
Well, I mean, it would be worse if he was intentionally doing it, I guess. But it's still, like, terrible that, like, he can accidentally, like, take such advantage her. of her and hurt her so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, he didn't know. He just was really little and, like, thought it was funny that she was slapping herself. But it's like, no, this is a very strong power that even children can wield. I mean, like, even humans do that, right? Like, oh, stop hitting yourself. Yeah. Stop hitting yourself. You know, with, like, when you, like, grab someone's hand or whatever. Like, that's, like, a thing that, like, little kids find funny. And, yeah, to not realize, like, especially if you've never been glamoured or you've never been in that situation yourself, to not realize, like, what you're doing and how helpless and, I don't know, whatever you're making someone else. I don't know. But it just goes to show, like, how helpless humans are. Yeah. Like, he was four and she couldn't do anything. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think. So I did a little bit of research on Holly Black. Okay, tell me something. I I just know she's written a ton of books, but I don't know much else about her. And I know she has a secret library. Yes! Okay, so she has a secret library in her house, and apparently we can all get one. Wait, tell me everything about it. I didn't really research okay. that much, because I always am worried I'm going to spoil things for myself if I do too much research up front. So... If you go to the website hiddendoors.com, you can see where she got her secret library. It's a company that, like, if you want to hide something, like, the first question is, like, what do you want to hide? They will come to your house and build a secret door to, like, hide your antique collection or, like, your wine cellar or your library. Wait, this this is the coolest thing ever. It's so awesome. I want a secret passageway now so badly in in my, you know, little 900-foot apartment. (laughs) What do you have to hide? What do I have to hide? I'd hide my podcast room. <laughs> I would just have a secret podcast room with probably horrible acoustics, but it would be so fun. That would be awesome. It would just be fun to have a hidden room, but I'd be one of those people who'd want to show everyone my hidden room, which would maybe defeat the purpose of the hidden room, but still be totally yeah, fun and would it be so hidden. <laughs> um, the other thing that I think is really interesting and slightly insane so she had her ears cosmetically reshaped to look like elf ears whoa yeah like if you look at pictures she she i was she was talking about this in an interview she like had cosmetic surgery to have her ears pointed to look like you know little fairy pixie ears well she's committed to this world that are all of her books then based in this like fairy world ish stuff Mm, i don't think so i was just curious but yeah, that is commitment. She also said that she relates most to Maddox in the story. I am very interested by him. I yeah. want more of him. I think he is a really interesting character with his like sense of honor, but also obviously his violent streak and even Brutality, you know just yeah. all of these like the the that dichotomy of him in terms of Jude's life and all this stuff. It's just yeah. I'm very interested in him. Yeah, I love that he's not it's not black and white. Like he is a very complex character with lots of depth and I want to hear more about his relationship with his first wife and how he met her and why he married a human and if she was or like how why did she leave or if she was glamoured or you know all that stuff so yeah um I also really liked that Holly Black said that her two favorite series that inspired her most happened to be our two favorite series Katie Ooh, I'm so excited so she said A Wrinkle in Time, which was yours, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And The Chronicles of Prydain by Lloyd Alexander, which was mine. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. So crazy. No wonder we love her. I know. Okay, that just makes me even more excited for everything to come. Agreed. Did you do any research today or this week? Okay, I, so I did, I did a little bit of weird research, but then I went into this whole thing. So in... When Jude breaks into, when she's spying on Belkin and realizes that Carden lives there and she's in his room and she's like in his bookshelf and she finds mm-hmm. an old Alice in Wonderland story, which is something that she used to love as a kid and she like brings it back to Taryn and they're like looking through it. And I just, I find Lewis Carroll fascinating anyways, like all of his, mm. he's like a mathematician and he loves all these logic puzzles, but then you have this like fantastical story. But I didn't realize that like literary nonsense is this really big category in literature that's been around forever. Like I feel like I only ever knew about Lewis Carroll. I didn't realize that like this was like a really common thing before. Oh, me either. I just know like the Jabberwocky and you know, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So I was like doing all these, um... Lewis Carroll puzzles and stuff earlier today because they're all because I love logic puzzles in general and he uses a lot of like negation to prove things and and whatnot Mm -hmm. so it was a lot of these 
systematic reasoning strings of implications that you get, you like draw some kind of conclusion from. So for example, if you say these three things, all babies are illogical. No, but I have to say this or just listen, I guess. So all babies are illogical is the first statement. The second statement, nobody is despised who can manage a crocodile. And the third statement, illogical people are despised. What conclusion would you draw from this? Babies can't control crocodiles? Yes. Whoa! A baby cannot manage a crocodile. I got it. Oh, I like that. Or vice versa. If you can manage a crocodile, you are not a baby. You are not a baby. Yeah. (laughs) But then he, like, they get more and more complicated. So this one that I was looking at was like 13 (laughs) statements long and it was like, oh, you don't like to hang out with people from this other city or something. But they're just like, (laughs) and they're usually like kind of random statements too. So it was just like fun. So I just like went down this rabbit hole of that. But I didn't realize again, or like I said earlier, that he wasn't like the first person to do this. This was like really pretty common back in like the Victorian era where people like doing puzzles and like sitting around and doing these logic puzzles and stuff. So even though he's one of the more famous ones today, and we, you know, a lot of us grew up with Alice in Wonderland, and maybe even know the background that he was a mathematician and all of this stuff. It was a pretty common literary nonsense was like a popular genre back in the Victorian era. And even before that, I thought that was pretty cool i kind of want to bring that back i know like i wish there was more of that today that wasn't like and i wish it was easily digestible like there's plenty of literature out there that is like too complicated for me to read (laughs) but not in a way that's like fun for me to figure out i love that that's fun for me to figure out all the riddles yeah so the goal of nonsense literature ultimately is to combine sense with nonsense to intertwine logic and the lack of logic by using wit symbols or puns sometimes these puzzles have deeper meanings but often they do not <laughs> so you have the mad hatter saying mm-hmm. why is a raven like a writing desk and alice is like no or, or i give up what you know why is a raven like a writing desk and he says i have the slightest idea <laughs> and she goes i think you you might do something better with time than wasting it and asking silly riddles and then he goes if you knew time like i knew time you wouldn't talk about wasting it time is not an it it's a him so there and she's just like what are we even what? talking about <laughs> And then doesn't he have, like, a million answers for why a raven is, like, a writing desk? Like, there's, like, a million answers to that riddle? Yeah, I don't remember if it's in the book or if Lewis Carroll came out with something later. But, yeah, he has, like, a whole list of reasons. And he's like, but also none of these in the riddle doesn't actually have an answer or whatever. And it's just... (laughs) And I, like, there's so many quotes from Alice in Wonderland that I still love. There was one in the book. Yeah, there were a bunch in the book, actually. You're right. But one of my favorites is something to do with, like, which way should I go? And the Cheshire cat is like, well, where do you want to end up? And she's like, I don't know. And then it goes, and it doesn't matter which way you go. And, like, some of that's, like, some of these, like, ideas that are just, I, like, actually love them still. Yeah. Like, when you think about it, it actually has kind of, like, a deeper meaning. Yeah. I need to reread it as an adult, I think. Or, oh, I think, wasn't it something where it was, like, how do you know... Everyone here is crazy. And she was like, well, how do you know I'm not crazy? And he was like, if you were, you wouldn't be here or something like that. Or like, you never would have come. Yeah. I don't don't remember it exactly, but. Yeah, we're all mad here kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's also that one. I don't think it was in the book, but I used to love the line. I Like, there's no point in going back to yesterday because I was a different person back then or something. And like, just, Mm. I don't know. There's just so many like great lines um so I basically I want to reread Alice in Wonderland as well but I love that that was brought in and I had no and now I want to go find more nonsense literature out there and yeah let's bring that back for sure and I just love I think Lewis Carroll has just appealed to me in general because I always felt like I was more of a math person even though I've loved books my entire life Mm. what I excelled in in school so I love the idea that he like wrote this fantastical imaginary world such a cool crazy nonsensical place story and he's actually like this very logical mathematical person and that they're actually like his story as nonsensical as it is has a lot of sense to it as well so I just love that I think he's really really cool you read Heartless by Marissa Meyer right I actually haven't oh you should definitely read that because it's about the queen of hearts from Alice in Wonderland it's great I have it in my bookshelf, but I don't know why I never read it. I think I thought it was a series, and then when I realized it wasn't, I was just distracted by other things, so. Oh, okay. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. And I love Marissa Meyer, so. So I'm actually, fingers crossed, going to meet Holly Black. Wait, what? Tell me everything. Oh, no, never mind. Oh. I thought she was coming to Chicago. I had, I was going to meet Holly Black. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got sick, and I didn't go. She came to Chicago, um... Sometime in November, 
Yeah, she came on November 20th, and I was going to go with a friend, and the reason why we didn't was because you had to, like, buy tickets in advance, and, Mm -hmm. like, it was expensive, and it didn't get you, I don't know, it, like, didn't guarantee a picture with her. It was basically just, like... That's so frustrating. ...buying a signed copy. I know, I know. So, I didn't get to meet her, but she did come to Chicago. Well, she came to, like, a suburb of Chicago. Okay, well, now we have to find a different way to meet her, or just... I'm gonna, I'm gonna slide into her DMs on Instagram. <laughs> You've become much more active on Instagram in the new year. That must be one of your resolutions. Well, my resolution for 2019 was to post to Instagram okay. once. <laughs> like, just do it. <laughs> and I finally did on New Year's Eve after the sun went down. I was like, it's almost the end of the year. I need to post something real quick. And then I kind of was like, okay, now I've done it. So I've, like, ripped the band-aid off, and now it's yeah. not as much pressure, so... I've been dabbling a little bit more. I like that. It's good to have manageable goals. Yeah, exactly. I almost didn't make it, though, so. Yeah, that was close. I haven't figured out all my reading goals for this year, but I'm still working on that. Well, it's going to be hard to break your record of 126 books. 130. Thank you very much. Oh, crap. (laughs) Which averages to two and a half a week. Amazing. But I think I don't want to try and break that because I don't want to, like, not read. I feel like... If I was trying to break that, yeah. I'd read short books or something. Although, actually, last year's my average length of book read is also the longest it's been in, like, three or four years. But You don't want to feel pressured. I feel like I need to set some different goal to get rid of the backlog in my, like, books that I've had for a long time, that like Heartless and other things that I've, yeah. I have and I don't need to buy and I want to read and I just haven't done it yet. Well, I just have a little bit of research, okay. too. Yeah, um, I was reflecting on why I hate fairy stories <laughs> and um, it is because of all the rules they have. So I just looked up, like, interesting facts about fairies. Okay, this will be good for us going into this next right. two and a half books. Fairies love gifts, okay, but you have to be wary of accepting them because, like, often or they love receiving gifts, but um, you have to be be wary of giving them because sometimes it'll come with like a catch or like if a fairy bestows a favor on you, they will likely expect a gift back, and it might be like more than you're willing to pay, which we've seen. I like this would be one of the worlds that I'd be afraid. Of afraid to go into I feel like I would not do well dealing with fairies no I'm far too gullible even with the truth telling aspect which I feel like there should be more like I feel like I should I would double I'd like ask people to repeat exactly things in a certain way or something to like Mm -hmm. make but Jude isn't doing that right now at least um okay so one of the earliest claims of a person making contact with a fairy was recorded in 1907 there was a man and his wife who claimed to have caught a fairy and kept it captive for two weeks before it escaped Oh, man. How would you even do that? <laughs> I don't know. Put it in a little jar like a lightning bug. Did you ever do it when you were little um, for St. Patrick's Day? Did you set a trap for the leprechaun? No. Why would you want to capture a leprechaun? Well, so this is what we did in my family. I don't know why my mom agreed to this because she would just... Anyways. <laughs> so we would, the night before St. Patrick's Day, come up with like some elaborate trap that we usually involved like a shoebox and like whatever and we'd put gold in the middle of it to like attract mm. the leprechaun and the idea was if you caught him I think you got a wish or so, or he'd lead you to your pot of gold I don't even remember what the reason was that you wanted to catch him but what we would do is we'd wake up and the trap would be triggered but the leprechaun wouldn't be there and like the kitchen or whatever room was in would be trashed and there'd be a bunch <gasps> of chocolate gold coins like left like he had run out and like dropped a bunch and that's like what we got in the morning <laughs> wait your parents would purposely trash their own that's house that's what I'm saying like... yeah I mean it's <laughs> kind of so it wasn't like trash trashed I guess but it like felt like a mess for to you know to us and I guess you know we didn't do like elf on the shelf parents do stuff like that now all the time I guess yeah. but oh my god that's so cute but it was so much, and I remember like we'd you know like it was good for like the engineering creative brain too because we had to put a lot of work in so like for a few days leading up to it we'd be like trying to come up with ideas for how we'd do our traps and stuff and and then we got chocolate gold covered coins so there you go yeah anyways I don't know no we never did that but I never caught a leprechaun so I was curious how they caught the fairy (laughs) 
Well, okay. Um, the most famous case of people catching fairies or playing with fairies was in 1917. So there were these two children, Elsie Wright and Francis Griffith, and they lived in the village of Cottingley, England. So they claimed that they saw and played with fairies and no one believed them. So they said that they got a camera and produced photographs of the fairies. This is honestly incredible to me because... I can send you the picture. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send it to you right now. This is the photo that they sent out to the world as proof that there were fairies. And like, and people believed them. Like some people thought it was fake, but there was a number, a, a wide number of very smart people who were like, oh my God, this is genuine. And if you look at it, it is the fakest looking photo I've ever seen in my entire life. Like these fairies are clearly cardboard cutouts. That this girl just, like, set up in the woods. Wait, I just got it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's, like, worse than a bad Photoshop job. It is It is just, like, clearly, clearly fake. Okay, but wait, what year was this again? Because... 1970. I feel like now we're very, you know, we, like, sure. know that you can do all that. Maybe back in the day they didn't realize you could, like, fake a photograph or whatever. <laughs> I guess, but I, I thought it was just really interesting because a lot of people, like, honestly believed that this photo was genuine and um sir arthur conan doyle actually used them to illustrate an article on fairies that he had written for um a magazine and he believed that this photograph was real and eventually eventually they admitted that they were faked and that they cut out pictures of fairies that were copied from a popular children's book at the time also wouldn't someone be like those look exactly like this children's book that's popular (laughs) (laughs) like they didn't even create their own fairies they just straight up i just think it's very very interesting that they were able to hoax so many people that is hilarious i think it's also interesting that so many people believe them because i think it just illustrates like how fiercely people want to believe in this kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know like everyone wants to believe that there's magic in the world or you know that fairies are real like you want to believe that there is this other world that you can just cross into spontaneously so i think it's it's funny how people cling to that and will like defy logic to prove that it's true yeah but also again it gets to this thing where you're kind of like yes 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 but also if it were true it would defy logic or I don't you know what I mean like (laughs) yeah like obviously that particular example was not true but like even the like Sophie in the book you know she like goes to that guy's tent and he's like if you eat anything you'll have to like be my servant forever and part of me is like why would you believe this fairy and then the other part of me is like oh wait she's just like why would she assume that it you know was a fairy that had to like it's just it's interesting it's like until it's true it's ridiculous but if it right was true it would also be ridiculous but it would just be truly ridiculous i don't know <laughs> they're also allergic to iron so iron like mm. robs them of their powers i guess so like if you ever capture a fairy you should put it in an iron cage because then it won't be able to to escape <laughs> how does that work for leprechauns i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i don't know yeah and then like it's so interesting like the types of creatures that are considered fairies like you know banshees brownies red caps there's so many different types of quote-unquote fairy people so how are they related to each other like are they they're all just like different different types of fairies i think like the sealy or like are one. they different species or are they different i think they're different species okay like a goblin is different from you know uh a sprite Nixie. or something yeah <laughs> yeah okay but again this is kind of like why i dislike it because it's so complicated <laughs> I, I actually feel like i would like it but it's just take so much work to get to a place where it makes sense which is why I'm really liking this book because I don't feel like I'm way behind even though I think it's being true and it is really complicated but it like the pacing again or like how the story is being revealed I feel like I'm kind of following the rules even though I don't I couldn't like recite them to you right now agreed um and then the last thing is if you to to if you think you have fairies living in your house or yard or how to tell if you have fairies in your house or yard Mm -hmm. you should look for strange lights things going missing or being rearranged, an abundance of clover among the grass, or Hmm. if you see things moving out of the corner of your eyes, those are all signs that you may have fairies living amongst you. Okay, I haven't seen any clovers (laughs) in our yard, so I think I might be safe, knock on wood. 
Yeah, so that was my research. That's cool. That's good for the iron thing. I'm curious if that'll come up at some point. Did that come up already? Oh, yeah. No. Has it? I, I, I don't think I so. I just know the salt thing has. Yeah, the salt. I don't remember anything about the iron. I don't think I knew that before. So, yeah, now we just have to see. We have to get a lot of answers in the next half of the book. I, I hope that, like, a lot of things happen in this first book. Like, I hope that we... Did you only read the first one before, or did you read the second one also? I just read the first one. Okay, so we should find out who the baby is, since you said you remembered who it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I hope that we find out... Or that someone gets crowned next or something happens, like, that it's not just, like, still all these pieces in play and at the end of the book nothing's changed and the king is still the king. I hope. Mm-hmm. I hope something changes there. Power play gets made. I hope we find out who Terran's You won't be disappointed. Uh, ...person is. I want to see what happens in the relationship between Cardin and Jude, like, how that resolves itself. Like, does he still hate her? Does he like her? Like... I hope we at least get another layer of it, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I hope that we find out that Locke is not a good guy. I don't trust him. I want to know what his motive is. I don't trust any of the fairies. That's true. I don't trust I don't trust any, any of them, the but Locke is the, Locke is the only one who's pretending to be, like, nice or something. True, true. <laughs> and that rings false. So the other ones at least are openly bad. <laughs> or, right. I don't know. <laughs> um, is that all? Do you want a joke? Yes, please. Do you want to hear a joke about paper? Yeah. Never mind, it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I've seen... Okay, I I can't remember if this is at college or somewhere else, but I saw this paper. And you know how, like, sometimes that there's, like, an ad for something and they'll have, like, the little things that you can pull off the number to call at the bottom of it? Yeah. It was kind of set up like that, but it said, these puns are terrible, and they were all a bunch of puns Uh at the bottom, and you could tear one off. That's good, though. Oh, my gosh, I love that. My friend David lost his ID, so now I call him Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I know some people named David. I'm totally going to use that in real life. Yeah. There you go. Oh, man. That's awesome. All right. Let's keep reading. Yeah, let's finish this book. Strong start to season four. I'm I'm really excited. This is a good a good series so far. And it's fun to be a trilogy. Yeah, I know. We did a lot of duologies last year, which I also enjoy, but I'm ready for like something more meaty. Yeah. Cool. If you guys want to get in touch with us and tell us some more facts about fairies or if you've ever tried to catch leprechauns, you can email us at mnktalkya at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram or Facebook at mnktalkya. We will see you in two weeks. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.